Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist, the Lexington Air Leader, and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, January the 3rd, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about Kentucky's big weekend. Kentucky football defeated North Carolina State in the Gator Bowl. And Kentucky basketball opened the SEC season by beating Mississippi State in double overtime with a surprise star, a big night, an amazing night from Dante Allen. And here to discuss those things with me is my friend, colleague, and fellow sports columnist Mark Story of the Lexington Herald Leader. Before we get to Mark, though, I want to thank everybody who has supported our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and remind you, you can get a sports pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com, $30 for the first year, all of our UK football, basketball, recruiting high schools all our coverage mark's columns my columns you get all that thirty dollars for the first year go to kentucky.com and hit the subscription button you can check out all of our subscription offers also want to thank everybody who has given us a rating and review for the john clay podcast especially on apple Podcasts. we really appreciate that so without further ado let's get to my conversation with mark story of the herald leader and kentucky.com Okay, my guest on the podcast is my colleague, friend, and fellow Herald Leader, Kentucky.com sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going on this Sunday, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, Kentucky, big day for Kentucky on Saturday. They win a bowl game, uh, beat a top 25 team in the in the uh, Gator Bowl in the afternoon. And then at night, uh, the basketball team uh, stops that six-game losing streak in uh, sort of uh, – <laughs> Sort of amazing fashion uh, by beating Mississippi State. Let's talk with ba- let's start with basketball first, and uh, double overtime win over Mississippi State, seventy eight seventy three. Dante Allen, the big star. Your thoughts on Kentucky's win? Well, two things. First of all, it's amazing how the mood sw- swings in a week. Remember this time last week they just lost to Louisville in basketball, six games in a row. You know, Things couldn't be more grim. They lost a football recruit to Louisville. I mean, it was you know really bleak, and now it's completely opposite. And the second thing, you know, the fans were right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's there's not any other way to look at that other than the fans had been you know saying that if they let play Dante Allen, he could do the one thing they needed, which was make shots, and they played him, and he made shots. Yeah, but I don't think anybody would have thought that he would make seven three pointers. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty amazing. I mean, it was an amazing display, even without all the fan stuff, even if you took it just on itself, if you've been playing regularly to, to seven. But the fact that he hadn't played, I think he played, what, one minute in the last three games? Uh, I think he played, what, 20 minutes? or 20 19, minutes all season. 20 minutes all season. Scored seven points. Scored seven points. Uh, even even those who were pro-Dante Allen, I don't think could have imagined that he would put on that show, or am I wrong about that? Well, I think people thought he could shoot. Now, you know, to to do that the first time you ever get it, you know, in an SEC road game, albeit without many fans in the stands, but in an SEC road game to do that the first time you really ever get a chance to play at the collegiate level, it was it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, uh, and you know, he had not. The, of course, the big knock was this was a team that struggled offensively, had a hard time shooting the ball, especially from the perimeter. Their three point percentage is down, you know, in the three hundreds as far as ranking a Division one team. And Dante, reputation of being a scorer who can shoot and put the ball in the basket, um, and finally, finally got his chance. Do you think the fan pressure is why he finally got his chance? I know. Cal is saying that, uh, you know, he shot the ball well in the scrimmage against Trancy. Uh, what do you think le- led up to it? 
I think it was a combination of things. I do think the fan pressure played some role. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm sure you know Terrence Clark's injury obviously opened up some playing time, and 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 if in fact he looked good in the the least secret secret scrimmage of all time, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I'm sure that gave you know the coaching staff some confidence to put him in. You know, it, you know his carrying tool to use the baseball term, you know, that he can shoot it. You know, it, you know, it's what they need. I mean, he right. he he has the one skill they're desperate for. You know, to me, I thought I I had assumed the things they were afraid of was that you know he would hurt them defensively and he wouldn't you know he he wasn't going to do anything other than shoot. Right. But I didn't think he really did hurt them defensively. No. You know, he had five rebounds, he blocked a shot. You know, you know I thought he played a pretty good all around game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't seem to. It seemed like a, down the stretch there, uh, John Sovo was doing the uh, doing the uh, um, color for the SEC Network. I think a couple times he said down the stretch, "Let's see if they go at Allen," and uh, if they did, I don't know that they had much success in in doing that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and I think the other thing, I mean, you know, it, uh, as coaches say, there's not much more demoralizing than a missed shot. If it's a, on the offensive end, if you hit, if you start hitting some shots, it kind of it's contagious. Starts lifting everybody up. Uh, I think obviously, you know, that had to help when you see the ball go in the basket. And they got some good games from some other guys. Um, you know, I thought Lance Ware played really well. Saar, I thought Olivier Saar played uh, be- much better than he's been playing. He was a definite factor. He had 12 rebounds. I thought Ash you play pretty well uh what 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 about those other guys uh who last night yeah i agree with that. i was happy for olivier sar because obviously it had, you know he'd had two tough games and you know i thought he was active and you know he, he got a lot of shots up and you know he has to be be moving toward an nc all-time ncaa record for shots that are dead center in the rim and then spin out yes I mean, how many of those <laughs> has he had it's amazing <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't know. Yeah, you, you, it almost makes you wonder if there's, you know, with the way he shoots the ball, does he put it some certain spin on it? I, I mean, who knows? I, I, or is it just luck? Or is it just luck that it's, that it's not, you know, not going down? Uh, you know, Cal, did you Cal Perry got ejected with nine minutes to go? By the time Mississippi State stopped. Uh, finished shooting free throws off the technicals. It was 55-46 Mississippi State. Kentucky rallied from there, descended into overtime, then it went into the second overtime. Just the other day, Khaled, uh, of course, he likes to quiz. We uh, know nothings in the media about uh, when the team, when did our team become empowered last year? And somebody came up with the correct answer about, or to Cal about how Cal got thrown out of the Arkansas game last year and Kentucky rallied and won that game and took off after that. Cal claimed that that empowered the team because he wasn't there. He got thrown out last night and they came back. You think he, was that on purpose? Did he engineer that trying to, uh, replicate what happened last year? I think that's possible. I mean, you know, obvi- you know, obviously, you know, sometimes coaches lose their cool and get emotional, but to me, the call that he was upset about, you know, obviously I, I don't know what had led up to that. It, you know, it didn't seem that egregious to right. me that the, the reaction it, it provoked was, you know, proportional. So yeah, I don't rule out that, you know, that was a, a, a coaching maneuver. Yeah, he said he he claimed anyway after the game that he got the first one on purpose, but he sort of tried to claim that he didn't get the second one on purpose. But I think once I think he knew 
once he got the first one, okay, well, I'll just go ahead, you know, uh, I'll go ahead. We got to do, we, we need something. We're desperate for something. We're behind, we're trailing, we're about we're on the way to losing our seventh straight game. We need something. Uh, now, whether that turns out to be what empowered the team, you know, I don't know. But Bruiser Flint ran the show after that, and a lot there was a lot of talk, especially on so- social media. He set Brandon Boston down and went with Allen, and the he set Isaiah Jackson down and went with Ware um, down the stretch and in the overtimes. And there was a lot of talk about if Cal had still been coaching, would that have happened, or would Cal Cal is stuck with Boston, stuck with Jackson? Would it have been any difference if Cal was coaching? Well, that's a good question. You know, a, a friend of mine sent me a Twitter message and just pointed out that, you know, in this pivotal or, or potentially pivotal moment in the Kentucky season, Kentucky pulled out that game and Calipari wasn't involved. Keon Brooks wasn't involved. BJ Boston wasn't involved. Terrence Clark wasn't involved. And right. Isaiah Jackson wasn't involved. And I don't know that I can ever remember a year when the pers- when there was a bigger gap between the perception of who is supposed to be good right. and who is actually playing good. Right. Because, I mean, you were right. Lance Ware and, you know, Devin Askew and obviously Dante Allen. Even I thought Jacob Toppin played well. He did. He did. Uh, I mean, of, of all the – other than Sard, you know, none of the guys that you started the season thinking were the keys to the team were the guys that basically won that game last right. night. Right, right. Not, but I think Cal Perry, especially going into the season, thought these are my best players, Boston, Clark. Of course, Clark is injured. Uh, Jackson, these guys, and that I've got to go with them. I've got to give them room to develop, and because they're going to be my best guys by the end of March. But when you get off to a one and six start, and you look like you're headed towards one and seven, you know, I think you got to change. I like Toppin. I think Toppin every time he plays, he gets, he, you know, he produces. He gets stuff done. He doesn't get a lot of playing time. He only got eleven minutes last night, but he took seven shots, and you know, he makes things happen. Um, I, you know, I. I've said before, I think he needs to get more time. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, there were some, you know, they still turned the ball over too much. They only got eight free throws. They were three of eight from the line. They didn't shoot a free th- – their last free throws, I think, were with 17 minutes to go in the second half. They did not shoot a free throw after that. Uh, so either Mississippi State's a really good t- defensive team without fouling or Kentucky was not doing things to draw fouls. You know, I don't know. I mean, how much of a concern are those things? Well, as poorly as they've shot from the foul line the last three games, they're probably better off not going. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so it's a tr- strategic move. Don't get fouled because you can't make the free throws. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Okay, so the, can they build off this? They've got Vandy at home on Tuesday. Vandy's struggling. They're 4-3. and three. They got uh, beaten, I think, uh, 19 points the other night at home by Florida. They do have a good player in Scotty Pippen. I've watched Vandy a couple of times. He, he's He's good. Uh, then they go to Florida next weekend. Can Kentucky uh, build off this? Yeah, I think they have a chance. I think just you know, winning a game and just in terms of you know taking some pressure off them and giving them some confidence. You know, I think Allen has to be out there quite a bit, and even if he can't replicate what he did, just the threat teams are going to have right. to be out on him. And you know, other than maybe you know, D- Davion Mintz, there hadn't really been anybody you have to really. No. worry about or stretch your defense well you're gonna to have to stretch the defense on dante and you know and, and, and if nothing else that should open it up you know for guys some guys to drive and you know maybe unclog the middle a little bit right i do think they do need to get boston playing but he just needs to shoot better i mean i think he's shooting 36 percent on the year after last night uh i do think he can be a good player i wish he was a little more aggressive 
but I, I think it would help if they could get him playing up to where people thought he could play. And I don't know what the reason is why he's not. Sometimes, to me, it looks like he's not taking the best shot. But even when he, what I think looks like a good shot, it doesn't go in. So I, I still think they they need to get him, you know, to improve and to play better. I think that's still going to be a key. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the one thing that sort of backs up what you're saying, that he is a good player. You know, his numbers, you know, he's, he's you know, what, the leading scorer and the second leading rebounder? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, playing not playing very well. So yeah. you know, if he plays well, you know, there 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 clearly would be some upside there. Yeah, I mean, I th- he scored in double figures in every game this year, but he's never, but he has yet to have you know that big game, or he's yet to have him make a a really big impact where you really notice, oh wow, he's really playing well. But you're right, you look at his numbers, and uh, you know they're fairly consistent. I just don't think he's, you know, played up to his capability, obviously. Anything else about basketball before we move on to football? Well, I'm just going to give one final hat tip to the fans. They were right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They were they were right. Uh, and uh, Cal, I thought it was funny, you know, at the beginning of the Zoom conference with Cal after the game last night, and John Hale, our uh, colleague, our uh, counterpart over at the Courier, asked Cal, you know, first question: Were the fans right? And Cal had that smile on his face, like he he knew it was coming. I was a little surprised we got Cal in the Zoom. Cal doesn't always show up for the press conference after he gets thrown out of the game, but since they won that one, <laughs> he show, he showed up. I can think of a couple others where he got thrown out, and we got the assistant coach after the game. We didn't get Cal, but we got Cal last night. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting, obviously, with Allen to see if he can follow up on. On this, but I agree. Just to have him as the threat of being somebody who can make an outside shot, and you've got to account for him, you know, should help the rest of the team. Um, okay, let's move on to football. Kentucky beat North Carolina State twenty three twenty one in the Gator Bowl. Uh, went over a top twenty five team. Uh, put a positive spin, a positive result on what's been a very challenging, trying, emotional season for this team. What, what did you think of the game yesterday? Well, I thought the Kentucky defense you know, played really well. I went into the game thinking NC State's offense was fairly explosive, and I thought their wide receivers were dangerous, and they really didn't hurt Kentucky that much. And obviously three interceptions, and the offense moved the ball, but again had a really hard time finishing drives for Kentucky. So the defense giving them short fields essentially won the game for them. You know, I I think it was important to win that game. Just, you know, as you say, it puts a happy ending on what was a difficult season. You know, it gives them a, you know, a bragging point. There are two bragging points that came out of this season. They beat Tennessee and Knoxville, and they've now won three straight bowls. And, you know, for Kentucky football, when you're, you know, have not the most stellar tradition, I think it's important to build those kind of things that you can, you know, sort of sell. So, you know, I thought it was important that they win the game, and, and they did. Yeah, no, I think I can't remember who said it might have been Landon Young who said it during the week when it are do our zooms. You know, if you if you want to be a successful college football program, you got to go to bowl games year after year and you got to win those games or, you know, win the majority of the games. And now they've won been to five bowls under Mark, under Mark Stoops, five in a row. And now they've won three. They're three and two. Yeah, the offense, I did, even with Vince Merrill calling the plays, I didn't think the offense looked much different, maybe a little different here and there, a couple of plays we hadn't seen, but not a whole lot. You know, block, blocked well, ran the ball well against that type of defense. Um, 
but uh, the passing game still, of course, left a lot to be desired, which I think is one reason why they have trouble finishing drives. Uh, but defensively, yeah, I thought they played well, the opportunistic, kind of like in the, when they played their best football during the year. That's kind of the way they've been. The offense has run the ball well, and the defense has, uh, has made some plays for them to give them short fields. Um you know, a couple things stick out at the, a couple things that I stuck out to. One was uh, Max Duffy. I mean, he made a great play avoiding a rush where it could have been a block punt, got it off, and then later on he pinned uh, North Carolina State back on its own five, and then back on its own thirteen. Uh, I think everybody, every Kentucky fan, is going to hate to see Max Duffy go. Yeah, and I'm, I, if I were Mark Stoops, I'd probably be uh, pleading with Max to take advantage of that extra year. Right. But yeah, I mean, you know, the impact he's had, you know, for a punter, um, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. You know, you look at his year last year when he won the Ray Guy Award, he literally had two bad punts all year. Mm-hmm. He had a bad punt at Georgia in the rain, in the rain and he right. had kind of a lackluster punt in the bowl game. But otherwise, he was just unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, his year wasn't as good this year. Some of that was circumstance, and that mm-hmm. he, you know, he obviously he missed two games because of we we assume because of the coronavirus p- protocols. But you know, his impact in in the games they won, you know, it was really large, and it was large in that game yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. The other thing I thought, uh, Jamin Davis, he had thirteen tackles, he had an interception. Uh, he's really come on. He's really uh, he's had a really good year. A lot of talk that he should have been on the All SEC. Of course, there are a lot of good linebackers in this league. Uh, but you know, I think he's a guy. Uh, you know, they, a lot of questions at the beginning of the year with Chris Oates not able to play this year. You know, they looked a little thin on inside linebacker. You know, how would they do there? I think he really stepped up and maybe even a little bit under the radar and had a really good year, had a really good performance last year. And I can really see him, you know, becoming a defensive leader on this team next year. You know, assuming he comes back, which right. he sort of left the, the door open there yeah. in the post game. You know, his emergence started at the end of last year. If you go back and look at his numbers down the stretch, he started making a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, for all the, you know, attention that they're, you know, enhanced recruiting, the fact that they've been able to sign more four stars and they've been higher in the recruiting rankings than Kentucky has traditionally been, you know, they've done a really good job of evaluating. They've found some guys, and obviously Josh Allen being the preeminent example of that. But, you know, Jamin Davis is another one. He was not a highly recruited player out of Georgia. and They mm-hmm. identified him, and, you know, it took a couple of years. But, yeah, he's he's a big-time mm-hmm. linebacker. And, you know, you know, it's as you point out, there are a lot of good linebackers in the SEC, but he he played at that level. He played mm-hmm. at an all-SEC level and probably a lack of hype, both in terms of recruiting hype and just, you know, not having been a, considered a star before this year probably did him in there in terms of that recognition. But he certainly played at that level. Yeah. So what about this team for 2021? What are you, what are you looking towards uh, next year? How do you think they shape up for next season? Well, that's a good question. They um they lose if you know Darian Kennard goes pro, they will lose four starters off. You know, arguably the best offensive line in school history. And they lose two starters off the defensive line unless uh, one of them, you know, opts to come back. And as far as we know, they'll lose. You know, they could lose four offensive line starters and two defensive line starters. Now, you know, that to me is a question mark. Right. You know, obviously you're bringing in a new 
offensive coordinator, somebody that you know has not recently been in college football and has never been at you know the, in an, at an SEC level when he was in college football. You know, so that's a question. And but you know, it, we've talked many times this year of what they need. They need more playmaking, and they need uh, they've got to get some kind of vertical passing game going just to open open things up, if nothing else, to open things up for the running game. Right. Right. I thought it was interesting, you know, uh, our colleague Josh Moore had a story after the game about uh, as four seniors have now indicated that they're going to take advantage of the NCAA uh, rule this year uh, for playing in a pandemic that you can come back and have another year. And one of those guys is Josh Ali, who was their number one receiver. And we talked to Josh last week and somebody asked Josh about that. And he said, oh, I'm not going to ma- say anything until after the bowl game. But then he was asked about Liam Cohen, the new offensive coordinator coming in. And he said, you know, about it would be, you know, about great. It would be great to learn things, learn new things under Cohen and so forth. So he talked like, you know, he talked like a guy was coming back, and then last night it made it official. Uh, I think it, uh, and then also tied in Justin Rigg is another one who um, announced last night apparently that he's going to come back as well. Uh, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm on the offense with the new guy coming in that things are going to be different. And, uh, uh, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. But it sounds to me anyway like the offense, you know, they're, they're excited about the new guy coming in. Yeah, I agree. I, I had the feeling it helped them in recruiting in terms of holding on to some of their right. wide receiver commits because you know, I, I read – stories in like hometown papers about some of the guys they signed and they would mention that, you know, they were bringing in a coach from the NFL to run the offense. So, you know, in that, that sense, that hire has worked. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. It'll be an interesting spring. I hope, hopefully we have a full spring. Hopefully the coronavirus and the vaccines will give us a chance to, uh, uh, will give us a chance to have a full spring because I think it'll be a very interesting spring with Cohen. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, they lose. Uh, they, Quinn Bohanna and Phil Hoskins could both be gone. Um, you, you don't know about the other guys as well. Some of the other guys, uh, like you said, Davis, he, he kind of left the door open, although I would be surprised if he left, but he did kind of leave the door open yesterday. I think they've got a good nucleus of guys coming back, but they definitely have some spots they're going to have to fill in with some young guys who I think they like and were you know, pretty well, you know, pretty, and well thought of as recruits, but now they've got to step up and take bigger roles. Yeah, the freshmen, the guys, the defensive line class, the, who were true freshmen this year, the most highly recruited or most highly touted in terms of recruiting that Kentucky has signed in my lifetime. So, you know, those guys, you know, they're it'll be interesting to see how many of them can get on the field because you know, assuming, you know, Bohanna and Hoskins don't come back, right. uh, there's going to be uh, there's going to be opportunity there. I think the other question is sort of cornerback. You know, yeah. you're, you're down Kelvin Joseph. Presumably you'll be down Brandon Eccles. And, you know, those guys were those were your two main guys. Right. Right. No, that's true. And the other thing I think maybe hurt them this year with the younger guys, because it was such an odd year, they didn't have the, uh, you know, the guarantee games that they normally have when you can get some of those guys in, especially since the rule a couple of years ago that you could play uh, freshmen up to four games and not not, uh, lose their red shirt. They didn't get the op- and playing an all SEC schedule. You didn't get the opportunity to get those guys some playing time and some seasoning that might help them next year. So I think I was definitely a negative in that aspect. Yeah, the other thing to b- just bring up a hypothetical tied into the unconventional schedule: had Kentucky played its normal schedule, you know, and you have the three guarantee games and you, Louisville, 
you know, I don't know that it's a lock for sure they would have beaten Louisville, but if you can beat an eight-win ACC team, you could probably beat a four-win ACC right. team. So, you know, they would have been nine and four. If they were nine and four, do Eddie Grant and Darren Henshaw lose their jobs? Yeah, that's a good question. It's <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> no, uh, you know, and uh, we've talked about it before. If you take Alabama and Ole Miss off the schedule, those were the two teams that were added. Uh, yeah, and you play your guarantee games. There's a very good, ch- the ch- very good chance you would have been eight and four going into the bowl game, and um, so. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, we'll you know we'll see. Uh, but either way, I mean, they definitely would have. They definitely have to improve throwing the ball if yeah, they want to get no where question. they want to be. And then you know they were just not able to do that. Not just this year, but they had problems before throwing the ball. So um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they made a change or not, but my guess is they might have still made a change even at eight and four if they didn't throw the ball any better than they did against the SEC teams. Uh, but anyway, that's not the way it worked out. That's the reality was they played a ten game SEC schedule, and uh, this is the way it ended up. So, uh, but anyway, anything else about football or about yesterday? No, I think we covered it. I mean, just to re- reiterate, I do think it was important for them to win the game. Yeah. Uh, that they can sell, you know, three, we've won three straight having saying you can have won three straight bowls is something you can sell the whole, you know, we've, we've gone to five straight bowls. The fact that they had gone off a losing record that to me right. sort of negated right. that as a selling point, but having you know, won it and beaten a ranked team, I think, you know, I think they can sell that. Yeah. Yeah. They can say, yeah, we were four and six, but that was against all the schedule. And look what happened. We, when we played another power five team from another conference that was ranked, we beat them. So yeah, I know North Carolina state was missing some players, but, uh, but still, um, okay. Let's talk a little UK women's basketball. They just played. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch much of that game, but you watched it. Uh, they've had a good week, Kentucky women's yeah, basketball. They've, they've had an unbelievable week. They beat number ten Arkansas Thursday night, and then they they were supposed to play Tennessee today, but Tennessee's had COVID issues, so they the SEC sent them to Starkville to play. Uh, number 12 Mississippi State and they Kentucky and what was the best college basketball game I've watched this year they beat Mississippi State 92-86 in overtime Ryan Howard had 33 points 10 rebounds and 6 assists she had 25 points in the uh, fourth quarter in the overtime wow. it was just a tremendous game wow what i mean are they the real deal is this a team that could is this a potential final four team they're close, you know, they're more balanced than Kentucky teams have, you know, recently been, you know, they've got a, you know, they've, they've got a, a genuine star in, in Ryan Howard and they have a lot of good players around her. You know, the, the game today, they did not get much in terms of scoring on the, the post, you know, Drayana Edwards, you know, had 11 rebounds, but I think she only made one field goal and Olivia Owens, you know, I think had three baskets, but they were they were pretty perimeter oriented, and I think to to go go the final distance, they're going to have to develop more on the post. But I, you know, I think they have a chance to do that. I think it's a, I think they have a chance to be good if they stay healthy. I mean, they've got a great player, and they've got good players around her. The two transfer guards that initially we thought were going to sit out, Robin Benton and Jasmine Massengill from, you know, Robin from Auburn and Massengill from Tennessee, they're good. Wow. And they, they're, they're filling roles. And, you know, Ryan in this game today, Mississippi State was really handing her early and she was content to just, you know, set other people up and other people were making shots. It's, it's a good team. 
you know, it, the Matthew Mitchell situation where he, uh, you know, left, uh, decided, you know, that, that he needed to retire or step down right before the season started, which was a shock to pretty much everybody. And Kyra Elsey steps in as interim coach. She's now been the interim tag's been removed by Mitch Barnard. She's the she's the permanent coach. You know, that's a tricky situation. You just never know how those things are going to work. How those things are going to work out. You know, the being an assistant coach is one thing, but being the head coach is something else as far as your dynamic with the players and so forth. But so far it's, it's been so far so good with Kyrie Elsey. It looks like. Yeah, it does. And, you know, she's handled herself really well in just the terms of the, the, the public aspects of the role. And, you know, obviously people are happy when the team's winning and, and right. you know, they, they've now got three, three wins over ranked teams this year, you know, already, you know, they, they, they had a setback at DePaul in a game where I, you know, I thought DePaul sort of did to them what Kentucky used to do to other teams in terms of speeding them up and sort of making them uncomfortable. You know, Kentucky is no longer the you know little little guards pressing all over the floor. They're big and long, and they they in that particular game, I thought they needed to play a little slower. But yeah, I mean, you know, three three you know you can't have a much better week than beat number ten and number twelve in four days. No, no, and you can't have a much better weekend than Kentucky fans have had this weekend to win no, a bowl to win a bowl game uh, and uh, to, to beat a top 25 team in a bowl game and finally break, uh, get off the snide in basketball and have an in-state kid who's been the fan fans, especially uh, in-state fans have been clamoring to see play and to get a chance. And he gets that chance and makes the most of it. And then some in Dante Allen. And now the women pull off another win over a ranked team on the road in overtime today. That's a, that's a pretty good weekend. If you're a Kentucky fan. It sure is. But you know, one more thing about the women, the SEC has given them a chance to uh, make a big statement early because having played number 10 and number 12, this week they play number nine, Texas A&M, and number three, South Carolina. <laughs> That's the thing about playing, especially in women's basketball in the SEC. <laughs> There's no let-up. They talk about football. It's about as bad in basketball, women's basketball. Uh, you've got so many really good programs in, in the SEC. So we'll be looking forward to those games. Of course, the uh, uh, the women's games, the men play uh, Vandy on Tuesday. They're uh, scheduled to be at Florida on Saturday. Of course, all of this is subject to change, of course. Like Mark mentioned, the women were supposed to play Tennessee today, but COVID issues in the Tennessee program caused the schedule shift. But uh, uh, there'll be a little break in football till we get around to spring practice, although Mark Stoops still – he was saying yesterday he needs some days off. He's still got a hire to make uh, – on the offensive staff. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, be sure and look for all of our coverage on Kentucky.com. Be sure and look for Mark's uh, columns on Kentucky.com. Follow him on Twitter on at Mark C. Story. And, Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. I want to thank Mark Story for being on the podcast. As always, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out all of his columns on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Arrow Leader. Thanks again, as I mentioned earlier, to everyone who supports the podcast by giving us a rating and review. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. We appreciate everybody who supported the podcast. We look forward to having a lot more of these in 2021. Uh, we'll have a podcast later this week with Josh Moore. UK football beat writer will wrapping up uh, the football season to talk about uh, the regular season and look at the bowl game and the look ahead to 2021. So be sure and look for that. Thanks again to Mark Story. Thanks again to everybody who listens and we'll be talking to you again soon.